0: Everyone and welcome back to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. Before we get into this episode, hit that button and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media so you can share this with your friends and they can be encouraged. The Battle of David and Goliath. A story you may have heard many times, but today, Baron Longstreth, a church planner in Tulsa and lead pastor of the Church Today, brings a new approach and issues a new challenge from David's example. So don't go anywhere. You do not want to miss today's episode. Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. My name is Baron Longstreth. I pastor the church today in the city of Tulsa, and I am thrilled that I am able to be a guest contributor on this excellent platform once again. So thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. I know you have been blessed in the past. Such great resources and material that has been pushed out by this committee, and I am thrilled to once again come come before you, and I'm praying that there is something that is stated that is going to be a blessing to each one of you, so God bless you, God bless our great team. We have an excellent team, and I am just uh, you know very humbled to serve alongside uh, excellent individuals. so thank you for everyone who puts so much effort and work into uh, the behind the scenes from the social media the website the uh, the actual podcast itself. Of course, thank you to the committee members. And uh, just an honor to serve with you. It almost goes without saying, but I think honor to whom honor is due. Brother and Sister Hughes, thank you for your vision, your passion, and the excellence that you bring to the table in the investment to the next generation. So I am, uh, I'm just, I'm humbled today, and I feel like the Lord is going to help us here in the next few moments. And so if you will uh, just give me a few minutes of time, I am going to do my best to um, open up the Word of the Lord in First Samuel, and a very, very common um, passage of Scripture, but First Samuel 17. And I want to tell you, I going to start off right here that, and I felt this. I was going to go a different direction today, but I felt the Holy Ghost um, prodding me uh, toward this direction. So we're just going to we're going to step out on a limb here and follow the leading of the Spirit. And I pray that you are impacted. David arrives at the battlefield. We know it very well. I know you know this chapter very well. Um, it's the David versus Goliath, and there's all kinds of thought processes, messages, insights that can be found right here. One thing that I, I I felt like the Lord led me to was the direction that David took in order to get his way down, and I say his way down, get his way down onto the battlefield, David's greatest obstacles came prior to the battle. It was not the battle itself. The battle took took one stone. The battle took uh, one throw. The the battle was over um, almost the moment it began. But it it wasn't the great battle for David. The great battle for David was being a next gen. The great Battle for David was getting down to the battlefield in order to be able to do what he knew that he was capable of doing and I want to bring your attention to the fact not to the statistics of of, of who David was versus who Goliath was but I want to bring your attention all the way to the fact that David arrives on the scene and David's place there he is not called to the battlefield david is sent to the battlefield david arrives on the battlefield because of a request from his father to take supplies to his personal brethren and to the commanders there and so david arrives really he's at a he's he's at a context he's not even He's not even an, an addition. He's not a special forces individual that is arriving as as uh, uh, you know reinforcements. That's not what David is not there for any other reason than to add value to the men that are intended to be there. And so when David arrives, and David uh, he sees he's the youngest, and uh, when David arrives on the battlefield. David goes down and David hears uh, the the call from Goliath. Now, that's a very valid thing here. David never heard the call of God. David, David did not hear... Can I say it one more time? David did not hear the call of God. David heard the call or the cry, rather. Maybe that's a better way to say. He heard the cry from the battlefield. And when David heard that, He was, I guarantee, extremely excited because David realized something is getting ready to go down, God is getting ready to be glorified, and I am going to be able to take that news back to my father's house. That's what David wanted. David wanted to say that the biggest man that we have ever seen, the biggest warrior, the biggest single opponent that Israel has ever faced in human flesh, I saw a man bring him down. I saw the glory of God. I, I saw the uh, you know the 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 God of our ancestors magnified because of a man who was willing to step down and get down there and champion the cause of our great nation. And David waits. And the response that David sees must be perplexing because David begins to talk with them. And David begins to ask questions. And and I find it odd that the information is so readily available and no one feels like they are able or no one feels the passion for belonging to the king's house. No one feels passionate enough about the reward to, to initiate action to go down onto the battlefield. Now, there's a lot at stake, and I'm sure it's not just the fear of the man, but the fear of losing. It's the fear of, of the shame that's going to be on the household of that individual. But there is no... The, the, the reward. What I'm saying here is the reward's not great enough for anybody. But that's the first question that David starts asking. He says, what shall be done to the man? That's a very valid question. What shall be done to the man? I want to take your attention to the fact that he doesn't say, what shall be done for the man, but to the man. Because there are some battlefields, let me say this, there are some battlefields, and David knew this, that we get down into and onto, and these battlefields are not just going to bring us reward that'll be temporary, and David knew that. Some battlefields that we climb down onto are going to bring reward that is going to change us for the future. It's not going to create some temporary change. It's going to be a forever change. And David realized that when I stepped down there, after seeing the men respond, after seeing no visible sign of movement from the king or any of those uh, mighty men that the king must have had, uh, when David realized that, that this is going to be a game changer, he asks a very pointed and valid question. And there are some things Excuse me, there are some questions that we need to ask what is going to be done to me when I go down there and I engage in battle there are certain instances and we've got to discern those and we've got to be uh, we, we've got to be ever watching for these moments but I'm telling somebody here today I feel the Holy Ghost in this office but I'm telling somebody when we get down to these battlefields and we approach that and we realize that we may not be necessarily called we are sent no one has has requested our um uh, you know no one's requested our company but rather we're sent for a divine reason a divine purpose and although we may not be called there we are sent to these battlefields and we've got to be sensitive enough to be able to look out and discern this is going to be a moment that will change me forever and i know that's the case because the Bible says in the following chapter that David returned to his father no more. This was a game changer to David. Not for David, to David. It was, it changed David. The battlefield forever changed David. And there are battlefields that the Lord calls us out to that are intended to change us. What is going to be done to the man? that killeth the philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel i wish some of our next generation uh leaders would step up to the battlefields and and they would understand that i am sent here i am sent here for a divine purpose and and what's going to be done to me that ought to be a driving question what what will be done to me if I, if I spend more time in my prayer closet, what'll be, what will, what will happen to me? How will I change if I become an intercessor or if I become a giver or if I become a contributor or if I become ever more faithful? If I, if I, you, you fill in the gap, but what will be done to me? How will this change me? That in effect is what we need to be asking. How will I change? Not what will the reward be? but how will I change? The reward for David was that he would never again be the same. That's the reward. I mean, how often uh, do we find in the Word of God that, that a man comes to the battlefield with ten cheeses and leaves the battlefield having slain his ten thousands? This was a game changer. The issue is, he's got to get to the battlefield the issue is he's got to make a case the issue is is he's got to work past several great obstacles in order for him to be able to get where he needs to get that's that's the the difficulty those are the hurdles that david it's not goliath was not the hurdle goliath was not the most difficult thing that david had to do while he was um at, at the battle. No, the most difficult thing that David had to do was get into a place where he was able to execute that which he had already learned, practiced and put into play. And we have got to jump through these hurdles and I'm talking to our next geners today that are at a battlefield moment in their life and divinely sent. Although you may have not heard the uh, the audible voice of God. There is a voice that is crying out for somebody to respond, and you know that you've been putting in that practice. You know that you have been putting in that work. You know that you have found yourself at a private altar, and you 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 keep your uh, you know you keep your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, because that's your reasonable service. You are there. You have you have the tools that are necessary, and that's what. I'm telling you, somebody's got to hear me today. What right does a a boy with a sling have wearing man's armor, carrying a sword? He doesn't. David's a shepherd. That's what David knows. Now, although David was an armor bearer up to this point, although David is called a mighty man of war, right now David is a shepherd. That's who David is. And David, as a shepherd, tucks his sling, has his pouch... He is ready. And I, I I know that there are points in my life where I have missed opportunities because I did not bring to the battlefront that which I had. Spent hours and hours, weeks and months and years preparing, and I didn't bring that to the battlefield. And David said, I'm not going with these ten cheeses, with this bread. I'm not going with the intention of just bringing something back. I'm taking that which I understand that I have a great skill at. David did not know. I'm going to skip forward. I'm jumping all over the place here. But 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 you know, skipping forward, David tries to walk in that armor. Now, now there can be argument made. I, can, I promise you this. There can be argument made that David wanted to know. David had shined that armor before. David had carried that armor before. He was an armor bearer. Those armor bearers were not chosen by the king just for some randomness. No, that was, a, that was the last line of defense in a time of battle. And so David would have, at, 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 at some point, David would have been training to be a last line of defense. There was something about David. David was a man of war. So when Saul said, David, try this armor on. David had to he had to make a decision that day whether or not he was willing to walk in that authority, that place of power, whether he was willing to to walk in uh, that place of practice and that that private consecration he he had to make a decision whether he was going to walk in who he was or was he going to try to morph into something that he was not. David said, I, 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 I'm I, not used to these. I don't even know how to really, I'm clumsy in these. Now, I can bring to your attention that David had to, he had to audibly admit that I cannot go out on the battlefield like you. And there are going to be times in our life where the Lord is going to require us to have to admit that I am not capable of operating this way. That's That's not the way. That is not the way that I that I that I grew up. That's not how I that's not how I have been called. Or you know, you fill in the blank there. David said, "Saul, I can't walk in these." There would be a day where David would would uh, not only carry um, you know a, a, the sword of a Saul, but he would carry the sword of a of a Goliath, and and he would admit, "There's no sword like this. There's none like these." David would u- utilize a sword. He would be known as a man of a sword. But today was not that day. Today was the day where he had to reach back and say, "I'm not ashamed of what uh, of who I am I'm not ashamed of of where I've come from I'm not ashamed of spending time in obscurity I'm not ashamed and I'll carry this although he's going to be ridiculed although um, the doubt is going to be laid forth. Saul didn't have any uh, you know Saul was full of doubt when he sent David out there. he wasn't absolutely assured. But David uh, David would not compromise what he brought to the battlefield. What shall be done to the man that takes away the reproach from Israel? The first hurdle did not come from people that he did not know. The first hurdle came from his own bloodline. The first hurdle came from those that would have been, or would have been supposed to at least, have been close to him. And the Bible says in Eliab, his older brother, when he, heard he spake unto, or when he heard that David spake unto the men, he was angry, and his anger kindled against David. And he said, what are you doing here? Why don't you... Now, now listen. Listen to what he says. Why don't you go take care of those few sheep in the wilderness? Why don't you go back to obscurity? He said, I know, I know why you're here. I know the, the naughtiness of thine heart. This is a... He doesn't stop at just saying, listen you're too young. Get away from here. No, he says, I know that you are full of pride and I know the naughtiness, the wickedness of your heart. I know what you, I know why you're here. You want to see the, the, you know, you want to see this battle played. I know what you're doing here. It, he, Eliab gets personal. He doesn't stop. He gets personal. And that's a hurdle we're all going to have to deal with. We're going to have to deal with the fact that there will always be individuals that will not understand who or what or why or how, and you can't you can't allow those attacks as personal as they may be. Some are just misunderstandings. Some are just people not understanding your motives, but some are, are downright personal. And Eliab starts at, at I, I, I know. That you you just need to I know why you came, okay, you need to go on back to where you where you're from, if you would have stopped there, but he doesn't, he takes it deeper and, and he's he's trying to get into the heart and the mind of a young man that all one that 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 all David wants to see is the Lord glorified on the battlefield, and so he takes it personally uh or, you know Eliab, Eliab takes it personally when he says, "I know your pride, I know the naughtiness of your heart, and I know that you've you've come down to see the battle and david says I, I don't understand what i've done." I, there's a cause here. And and, and so the, the the greatest thing that David did was not engage in, in, in a in a conflict with his brother. David did not try to conflict his brother, but rather here's what the Bible says. He simply says there is a greater cause here. And if, if as next generation leaders we cannot spend our time, we will spend our wheels trying to prove our point to somebody that thinks they know our motives, and they don't know our motives. And we're trying to wrestle against. We can't do that, and so here's what David did. David, the, here's what the Bible says, and he turned from him toward another. He 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 turns from him, and he and he says, and he, and he says this: What shall be done to the man? Because the Bible says he spake after the same manner, and the people again answered him towards a former manner. So David says, you know what? I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to get personal. I'm not going to allow them to burst this bubble here. I know why I'm here. I know that I have the ability and nobody else is going to respond. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the very best that I can do to get down there on the battlefield. And so David does not make this a personal conflict. It's as if he lays his gift at the altar, you know, and he turns and he does. He's, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make this thing personal. It's, you're not going to. You're not going to shift me away from my potential. David turns toward another, and he says, "This. Can you tell me once again why did David need to hear it again? That's the question. Remind me. What's going to be done to the man? Ooh, I wish that would be the response." With somebody, I'm not going to focus on those that don't believe in me. I'm not going to focus on those that want to try to, uh, you know, to tell me what my motives are or tell me I'm here for the wrong reasons. No, I want to know what's going to be. What is the reward? Out of all this. Oh, David focused on the reward. What? What is? What is going to change me? Is this going to change me? Oh, it's going to change you. You're going to not. Your family's not going to have to pay taxes. What? That sounds great. Uh, you, you're going to be in the king's court. What? Yeah, you're going to marry the king's daughter. What? Yeah. yeah this is going to be a game changer, and David wants to know. That's where I'm going to focus. That's what I'm going to focus on. But it's not the only hurdle. The words finally reach the ears of Saul. Saul calls him. David goes before Saul. And David simply says this. He starts off. It doesn't record Saul saying something to him, it records David saying something to David initiated. David had been in the presence of this man before. And so this is what David said Let no man's heart fail. Because of him talking about Goliath. He's got to be careful here because the king, the king's heart had failed. And so he doesn't directly just engage and say, Saul, let me don't don't let your heart fail. No, he he doesn't he doesn't try to manipulate the, the man. He doesn't try to go beyond the man. He doesn't try to uh, bring that that authority in his life down. No, but rather he says, Let no man's heart fail. What he was saying is, is I, 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 I'll I, go out and fight him, but I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody. He's being very cautious. And as a next generation leader, we got to be very cautious how we approach our authority. We're not trying to bring them down. We're not trying to say my motive is greater than your motive. Because you won't go, I'll go. And I'll step above you. No, but rather he just simply says, hey, oh, king, don't let anybody's heart fail. Saul says to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him for, for you're just a young man. And he's been a man of war since since he was your age. And David says to Saul, "Thy father's servant. Listen to the listen to the spirit of David. Thy servant, excuse me, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Oh, I'm I'm un, I, I I know my place. I know my place. And so I'm not trying to usurp authority, but rather I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to reveal that that there is some capability here, and I think there's some channels here that we can learn." We're not going to engage in battle against our brethren, but we'll turn and be reminded of the reward. And then when we are invited into a place where, uh, you know, not, not where we have a, the, the listening ear, if you would, of the one that has the authority to release us to do the things that we feel like God has sent us to do, we're careful. We don't bring him down. No, but rather we, we allow that man uh, that has authority in our life to really, to really see and sense our true heart and who we are, thy servant. If it's a pastor, oh, I've just been faithful keeping my dad's sheep. That's what, that's what he said. And as we communicate these things to people of authority in our life, oh, I'm, I'm just, I, I recognize who I am. But can I bring to the fact that I was faithful? First, he says, I was faithful. I kept my father's sheep. So he, he starts saying, I was faithful. I was faithful. First and foremost, I'm faithful. And you're not trying to argue. You're just saying, hey, I've been faithful. I've been faithful when no one's watching. I've been faithful on the backside. I've been faithful keeping charge over something that didn't even have my name attached to it. Whew, think about that. David, David's name is not even attached. It's my father's sheep. And there came a lion. And I guarded that which was not mine. I took care of that which was not mine. When a lion came, when a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, those were not mine, but I was the I was the responsible party. And when that happened, I went after him, is what the Bible says. And I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. What he was saying is I was faithful. I was faithful not only to that which had my name on it, and this is something we can learn from. We might have positions of authority in our local assemblies, but David wasn't just saying i was I was faithful to something that had my name on it, but rather I was faithful to something that didn't have my name on it. I realized that th- these are my father's sheep so so if i'm a, if I'm a student pastor uh, listen, I realize that these the, the, these aren 't even the, i'm just i'm just doing what I need to do the, these aren't even my sheep i'm not even the under shepherd here if you would i'm underneath uh you know i 'm underneath the name of my my father figure i 'm underneath the name of my pastor and i i don't have ownership and'm i'm not, I'm not going to try to do anything that i 'm not called to do but rather i'm going to do things that i 'm not like i'm not going to go against the grain but but i'm not necessarily called to go down and get the sheep out of the mouth. But I'm a shepherd, and that's what shepherds do. So David finds himself underneath his father's name, and he's well willing to say that that cause is worth it. David said, the Lord delivered me out. Listen, the Lord delivered me out. He didn't say it was by my own ability. No, he didn't say, look what I've done. No, he didn't say, well, I stepped down in there and I'm capable of doing this because look. No, he says the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion. The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the bear and he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And the and the king, this is the hurdle. The king says, go. And the Lord be with thee. David's greatest battles that day happened before the battlefield and I don't think I question or anybody else really questions the fact that this next generation is called into the kingdom for such a time as this but rather can we be faithful and can we be persistent David listen to me David did not try to to earn the approval of his brethren David did not try to just earn the approval of his king. David sought ultimately the permission of his king. Will you allow me? Will you allow me? If I had a message title for today, that, that's, that's what it would be. Do I have your permission? Do I have your permission to go out? That, those are the hurdles. Now, it would have been a different story had David not been prepared. That's, that's a whole different subject. David would have been um, idiotic to try to battle Goliath, a man of war, since he was a young man without any skill. That, that goes without saying. David brought the skills with him to the battlefield, and that's what I'm saying. There are things that we're going to have to be prepared, and there's things that we're going to have to bring to the battlefield. There are things that we're going to have to be ready. We need to have an active and, and steady and passionate prayer life. We we need to be able not to be in conflict when others question our motives. We this is not about this is not a proving ground, but rather Focus on what's going to be done. Focus on there's going to be a changing in me. Now the changing, I don't have time to go into that. Changing wasn't immediate. David was already anointed king. But David would be challenged. This would be the greatest challenges of his life. The, 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 the battlefield Goliath was just, was just a platform that he stood on for a brief moment. The real challenges was, A, getting to the battlefield and then following that moment. And th- th- that's a different subject for a different time. But what I'm saying is, do I have your permission to go? Do I have your permission? I, I'm asking God that. The, I'm asking God, do I have permission? Will you give me permission? Do I have permission to pray these types of prayers? Do I have permission to to go after these types of individuals? Do I have permission to utilize the gifts and the callings of God that are on my life? And and, and as a next generation leader, we've got to be asking these questions. King, can I have your permission to go? David went. Goliath approached him and said, "You you come at me with sticks. I must be a dog. And David said, you come at me whatever way you want, but I know how I'm coming after you david does not try to convince the enemy he said the lord will deliver you into my hands i wish i i had some more time i'd talk to you about um, the spirit of the armor bearer but I, i hope maybe perhaps in this kind of unorthodox approach to the story of david perhaps we can glean some things don't go into conflict don't try to to prove yourself that there, there's always going to be individuals that question your motives or question uh, you know you know even some of your methods and why you do what you do but, but but we're going to turn and we're going to focus on the fact that that I feel like I'm divinely sent and I feel like that God placed me here and all I want to do is utilize what I have practiced, what I have what I have uh, given to the Lord when no one was watching and now there's a there's a there's a public opportunity and that's not so that my name David did not care about the 10,000 songs what David cared about was bringing glory to God and i want to shut the mouth of the one that's on that battlefield holding if you would the lamb of Israel in his mouth, and I'm going to cut the head off of that beast out in the field. And David never identifies him as anything other than a beast of the field. He never uses utilizes those words, uh, but David identifies him in the same way. Let's keep our motives right. Let's keep our direction right. Let's seek the permission. I believe that God's going to allow us. I'll, I'll finalize this. I'll finalize with this. When in Matthew 14, Peter said. If it's really you out there, hear it. Give me your permission. He said, bid me to come. Do I have your permission to come out there? That's what we ought to be asking. Do I have your permission to walk in the supernatural? Do I have permission to defy? Do I have permission? I wonder today if we would seek the permission of God, if we would seek excuse me, the permission of the authorities in our lives and say, do I have your permission? And you present your case and you say, but I've been faithful. If you haven't been faithful, then you need to be faithful first. If you haven't been out on the backside of the desert or in the wilderness, you need to be on the backside of the desert or in the wilderness. If you don't have your sling, you're going to need one. You get what I'm saying here. But if you are prepared and you are ready... We're not trying to prove our point we 're not trying to get out of here we 're not trying to force our way in we 're simply if we can get our if we can get an audience and we can get an audience and we can sit down and we say listen i I challenge some of you, you are world changers, and I believe that God has called you into the kingdom for such a time as this, and you are going to utilize the things that God has given to you and i can 't wait to see what comes out of not just a single podcast but practicing avoiding uh, the approval." or the the need for approval of our brethren or conflict with our brethren but uh, rather just trying to get into the presence of the one that really has the authority and when he says go or when he says come we're going to walk we're going to go Peter walked on the water David ran onto the battlefield both of those men were given permission go today next gen get the permission seek the permission If you need to practice, practice, but we can make a difference in our world. You are a world changer. Thanks again for letting me be a part of your life. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this encouraged you.